Hey, um, I know it's the end of the day, and you guys are a little tired. You're, um, you couldn't take any, absorb anything long. We thought what we would do here is show you some of the things that we've been encouraged by as a team, some things that some other churches are doing, and just kind of show you. And so the idea is not that you go back and implement everything that you see here, but that you might just write down some thoughts and see if any of this would trigger some ideas or next steps or some creativity or some innovation for you, okay? So we call this Stuff We Like, and I want you to meet uh, my very first friend out here, Andy Savage. He is a teaching pastor at High Point Church, so if you would, please welcome Andy Savage. Buddy, thanks, man. Come on, that's a long walk. It's uh, I got in trouble earlier today for being too slow. Um, you can't. You guys came up with a really killer tool that you, you showed me uh, a little while, and I would love for you to share it uh, with these friends here. Yeah. Yeah. What you're going to see on the screen is what we call the marriage dashboard, and this uh, idea came out of this whole concept. I'm a teaching pastor and a communicator, so I'm always looking for ways to capture truth or principles in some way largely for me to remember it and yep. to be able to distill it down with a couple or somebody or in a teaching session. But then it dawned on me, I, I work with a lot of couples that come in for questions, counseling, that kind of thing. And uh, this guy was in my office three weeks ago, his name's Tom, and he finally decided, I'm not going to pursue the divorce. I'm, put, I'm not signing the papers, we're just gonna let it be, and we're not going through the divorce. Hmm. I think about guys like Tom, who he is not gonna go take preparing a rich yep. Yep. inventory. Yep. He's not yep. going to read a book. What can I give him? And so my thought is, can I give a couple, a husband, a wife, a simple way to think about their marriage? And so that's where the dashboard comes in. So there's these five, what I call gauges of married life. Yep. And their idea to be simple ways to look at your marriage. So the first one is start with God and ask yourself, if there's something not right, if something seems off, am I starting with God? And I'll tell you, my numero uno problem in marriage is I don't start with God, I start with me. That's the whole discussion we just had. And uh, so can we help couples think about starting with God first? Simple step. Second is uh, have fun together. And uh, we want couples to have fun. And we encourage them in those ways. We equip them with ways to do that in our church. Um, but I don't want a couple like Gary and uh, Ted just said, I don't want them thinking everything has to be hard, yeah. that we can have fun together. And, and maybe that's the next best move is for us to have fun. Uh, and then we have honor each other. Uh, goodness gracious, we all need that. Asking that, holding ourselves accountable to that question. Am I honoring my wife? Am I honoring my husband? Uh, in the ways I, I speak to them, the ways we interact. Um, live in community. Uh, we found out that um, so many married couples do not have a group of married friends around them. And you can just about dictate figure out the health of a, of a couple based on their friends, just like you can with teenagers and everybody else. We don't outrun the current of our closest friends. We don't outswim the current of our close, closest mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And then uh, last, last is my favorite one, fight for intimacy. Um, intimacy, staying close, staying connected is a fight. It, yeah. it doesn't come easy and we have to work hard at it. We have to uh, oftentimes discipline ourselves in it. We have to get over how tired we are at the end of the day, things like that. So the idea was if we could give couples a simple dashboard, just like in your car, look down at the dashboard and go, hey, how am I doing? I can check a gauge. And so the idea, John, is if we can get a couple saying, you know what, the, the red lights are on having fun together. We hadn't had fun together in six months. Yeah then do the one thing. Don't try to fix all the gauges. If you can improve, take one step in one gauge, I believe a rising tide raises all boats. And I think if you start having fun together, you'll start honoring each other a little more. Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll start 
uh, fighting for intimacy. And, and maybe you'll be willing to, to get into a small group at your church. And maybe you'll crack the Bible on occasion and, and start with each day with God. So that's the idea is, man, we can take a step in some area. And so this was simply a way solid. to put handles really around solid. it. And so you guys used this in a sermon series, right? You passed this out. Was that when you guys yes, used it? Yes, that's yeah. what I did. So yeah. I, I introduced it at the, to the church yeah. as a sermon series. Okay. And then there was text below. And um, so I'll promise you the audio and the video of these sessions um, I will, we'll make a uh, best effort to get you the documents and things like that else that you'll see on here. That video that we shot in the very first session, the uh, stats video, um, that, that'll appear uh, in your inbox unless something bad happens, okay? But that'll be uh, a gift to you. Use, how, use however uh, you want. We'll try to get you this um, as well, okay? Um, so you had text below that where they could kind of take, yeah, they they could, kind of walk them through the next steps yeah, as well. Diagnostic yeah. questions to help you think yeah. through each area. Okay, it was really solid. So those are the, so let's, let's transition. Uh, I mean, I think it's really good to think about <clears throat> some of these uh, inventories are just kind of daunting. I think the enrich inventory is like 160 questions last I checked. Fantastic inventory. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just pretty daunting. This is really, really quick, okay? And then embedded, what Andy did was he took the five words that he talks about uh, that they, they've kind of used to frame up everything they believe and talk about marriage, okay? And you heard Ted uh, Lowe talk about some of the language that he uses, and several churches have latched onto three, four, five words, something like that. Talk about just the value of that, of kind of um, just picking a few words and, and kind of, uh, you know, building all the things that you believe uh, about marriage under those, just the value of that. Yeah, yeah. the value of that, uh, to me, is an obvious thing, simply because we have to have a way of of assessing whether we're hitting the mark. Where's the bullseye on the target with what we're teaching and how we're equipping uh, couples and uh, families and whatever. So these five gauges give us a way to say, okay, in the last year, let's take everything our church is engaged with, books we've, we've recommended, blog posts we've put out, sermon series, studies in small groups. Have we covered the gauges or have, or have we been too heavy on yeah. one area? Yeah. Because we feel like this is a great way to keep some balance on the content we're delivering to our people and it keeps us accountable to that. And it keeps a couple accountable. They, they, they are just as responsible to make those investments in those areas in yeah. their own marriage. That's good. So, so that, that might be something you're thinking about, kind of next steps. One of, the, one of the ideas might be just to go look up all the scriptures that you know about marriage and see if you could kind of come up with any kind of key words, phrases that it would help you uh, remember yourself and then help you kind of communicate and help it stick, um, you know, in your marriage. Andy, Andy's a lot better with, around language than I am, um, and so he... he he just thinks this way differently than I do. But if you can give people something that sticks, they can, also, they can remember it enough to implement it, okay? And they might sit here and give intellectual assent, but if they can't remember it, it doesn't do them any good. And something like this, whatever it is, uh, gives them the ability to hold on to it afterwards and begin to implement it. So really great thoughts. One other thing, Andy, I just wanted to share that you've told me before. You, Andy said he doesn't recommend entire books, uh, especially to men, I think you remember, I remember you saying. And he's like, people just don't read books. And Gary Thomas was talking about this earlier. So he said, I just pick chapters, right? I'm not going to toss a 250-page uh, book to a guy and say, have at it. I'll just give him a chapter. And he's at least got a shot uh, at doing that, which I think is a brilliant idea. Things have changed. Um, people aren't as apt to read cover to cover anymore. I think it's just a great uh, kind of pro tip. So, bro, super grateful for you, okay? AndySavage.com, you can follow him. Thank you so much, buddy, okay? Hey, next up uh, is my friend Matt Engel. Uh, and so Matt is at Mission Community in, uh, I, always, I always call it Phoenix, but it is in Gilbert, uh, Arizona. And he is the Director of Marriage Ministry. And so Matt, we'll, we might come back to this. Matt's wired up differently than anybody else that's going to be up here. <clears throat> Incredibly analytical. Um, and he just, because he thinks differently about everything, he's come up with different ways um, to approach 
uh, marriage ministry and events and things like that. And one of the things that I was really encouraged by was how specifically he did date nights in his church and some of the unique, um, I, I just think, people he addressed during that time. So do you mind telling these guys about that? Yeah, so we, um, we do uh, fairly big uh, date night events um, at the church, and, and the goal was to step back as an organization and really look at the macro view of everything and sort of mapping out the process where people were going to be and then figuring out a way to integrate the content that was going to be taught in the big room across the entire campus. And so the, the goal really was to, we get a lot of parents that are attending marriage events trying to figure out how to get better, better in marriage. And one of the P's that are probably left off when we prepare couples is the promotion of what a healthy marriage is. And so our goal was to actually integrate some marriage content from a promotion standpoint in their environments to actually allow them to learn alongside with uh, their parents in the big room and, and so we did a, a real easy video on um, Song of Songs 215, Catch for Us the Foxes, the Little Foxes that, that yeah. are Ruining the Vineyard. And we shot a video and we created some really good content that allowed for massive dialogue to take place on the outset of, of the event. So I think, I think we're able to tie in a lot of that uh, synergy with the content that was taught to the parents to the child. Yeah. So we're promoting what a healthy marriage is, and we're also holding the kids accountable, to telling them that they're going to be a fox in their parents' vineyard to <laughs> knock it off. So, <laughs> you, yeah, you know why your marriage, your parents' marriage is messed up? It's you. It's yeah, you. That's right. <laughs> now, repent when they get picked up. Exactly. Uh, when you get picked up tonight. So, uh, but I just thought I, we we don't think about that. We do date nights. When we only think about mom and dad. And and Matt and his team was thinking about. Well, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and. Uh, he used some really big, big words uh, in there that I just, I'll, I'll understand later tonight. But I think what he was saying was we want to talk about the same message across uh, all age groups, including kids. And so when mom and dad come to pick up the kids, they said, hey, what'd you talk about and, and, uh, at your date night? What'd you talk about when you're in kids ministry? Oh, same thing. And, let's, and, you've, and you've set mom and dad up and you've been giving the same message. And I just thought it was brilliant. Uh, and so I think you guys, we had some other pictures you guys also did. Uh, some, some photo booths, is yeah, that right? Yeah, so we had, um, in, the, in the next date night, we wanted to sort of validate why mom and dad were investing the time that, that they were in their marriage. So we created a photo booth that, that said basically date night uh, equals kid approved. And just the reinforcement, we were tired of seeing trash of the coloring books that were illegally Xerox copied in the trashes. So we, we decided, hey, we're just going to invest a small amount of time to allow the kids to have a little bit of fun. Nobody wants to throw away a picture of their son or daughter, but they'll throw away the coloring, the coloring sheets. So this was our way to keep them engaged while they were in their environment. But again, validating the, the time that the parents are taking, saying, as, as children, we want to be healthy backup singers, as Ted would say. Uh, to the duet that's taking place. And so I think that's a healthy thing. We do this for our events now. We do this when we teach the pre-marriage class, the enrichment stuff. Any of the classes we're doing, we're tailoring the content back into the child's programming to, to help ensure that there is discussion happening after. It's great. I mean, it's just, it's a, that's a really good idea. And they were the first ones that we saw uh, do that. You use validate like a lot in a lot of big words. And so I would just tell you, like if you want to get a bunch of marriage ministry guys and figure out how to get to the moon and back, this is the guy that you want to take uh, with you. So thanks so much. <laughs> he just walked off. I like it. Uh, he's re Matt is really bright. It's going to be fun to see uh, kind of what, what he does uh, in his role. So Scott, come on out. Um, so, living legend uh, among us, um, this is my friend Scott Stanley. He's a researcher at the University of Denver and one of the founders of PrEP. And uh, I br we're, not, we're not doing a lot of content um, this conference, but this is something that's just been so helpful uh, to Pam and I. 
uh, to the people in our church. If you're at Watermark, you are tired of hearing us talk about uh, these four words, but they are incredibly helpful. And so we're going to talk about these these four words that Scott uh, came up with. You can find them in a book called Lasting Promise. You can find them um, in his materials uh, at Prep Inc. and C Prep. Uh, it's just fascinating. So first off, Scott, you're just an amazing man and honored that you would be here. When uh, I was with Scott last, last time, Scott Kadersha and I were at this conference, and Scott walked out, and people, you, Christians don't know him for whatever reason, committed believer, good Presbyterian boy, uh, but these, all these secular researchers just started screaming, like, Scott Stanley! And they were like, we love you. Uh, you guys have no idea who he is, but he's an amazing, an amazing man. And uh, I'm sorry you didn't elicit that same response in my, in my heart. Like, I'm screaming right now. Scott Stanley! There you go. So God, kn- God knows who I am. <laughs> so, so wise, so spiritual. Just to be in your presence, Scott, is... Mm. Okay, um, so let's go through these, if you don't mind. Uh, these four words, write these down, Okay. Um, and the first, the first one of these words is withdrawal. You want to talk about that for a second? So withdrawal is what happens when you have a couple that are communicating and one starts to pull away, shift away, look away, look down, change the subject, any kind of behavior that sort of reflects trying to get out of the conversation and try to bring it to a halt, which for many couples, if, if the other person was very concerned about an issue, it will bring on pursuit behavior by the other. The other will want to pursue and push harder, and then that person's going to withdraw more and more. And while sometimes it's a sign of just stubbornness and disagreement, we think a lot of times it's really a sign of the couple not having a safe way to talk, and I mean an emotionally safe way to talk. And that oftentimes the person that tends to pull away, which can be uh, the woman or the man, it's more often the man, but it can be either, uh, really just doesn't feel like the conversation's going to go well, and they want to end it before a fight starts, which, of course, that behavior brings on the fight. Awesome. So what's the best way to kind of fix that um, in a relationship? If, I, if I'm a withdrawer, or, you know, and for Pam, what would you tell Pam? What would you tell me? Well, one of the things I would say is to, to, to realize this is a dance that two people do together. A lot of times the person that's pursuing is really thinking, well, why won't you talk with me? You don't care, you don't love me, or something, you're making some pretty big thing out of it in their mind instead of just seeing we don't have a safe way to talk. And a lot of times the withdrawer is thinking, well, you just want to fight. You know, you want to stir something up. You want to you get me right now. And what I think the two people had to realize together, and there's a lot of ways to do this, that they had to find a way that's safe to talk about the stuff that doesn't feel safe to talk about. That's the key. Because if a couple feels like they have the conversations that they need to have when they need to have them with some frequency, uh, and then the rest of the time they're just not dealing with issues all the time, but those conversations when they have them go well, that couple's not going to have this or not have as much of this because they're going to feel like it's emotionally safe and they're going to feel like, well, I don't even have to bring this up tonight because I know we're going to talk Thursday night and we usually do a good job when we talk Thursday night. Things, little strategies like that can make a big difference in awesome. making the relationship safer. Awesome. So what you, you know, I think a really effective way is to kind of say, I'm going to give you four negative communication patterns. I want you to self-identify, see which of these you are, uh, which of these kind of, uh, how the, and think about how that plays out for you. Like, don't think about your spouse so much, right? Uh, you just burn the calories thinking about you as you listen to these four, and then you just kind of lay these out, okay? And the, some of them will begin to self-identify, uh, and this will be really, really helpful. They won't, they, they will just have bad communication up until that point, and I can't tell you how helpful it is just to have a category. So the next one of these... Uh, is escalate. You want to talk about that? 
or escalation, yeah? So escalation is when it's usually something small starts off something big. So you, you, you have whatever the trigger is, and the trigger can be lots of things. And lots of couples have a lot of things that are easily triggered because they're not regularly talking about things that matter. So there, there's, there's kind of like a minefield going on in that marriage. And something triggers it, and then off they go negative, 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 back and forth with rising emotional intensity and frustration. And, and one of the things, now that's easy, everybody recognizes that, Lots of couples do that. Some couples don't do that, but, but a lot of couples have moments of escalation. Uh, and they're not, you know, they're not a good sign for the relationship when people do that a lot. One of the things I try to get people to be especially wary about is sometimes what happens, and I think this is with a lot of couples, but I don't know the percent, is that the content escalates as well. So here we are in this frustrating moment. We're going back and back and back, forth, negative, 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 spiraling. But then one says something that sounds a little more like this, because it could have started about money, kids, whatever. And then somebody says, I don't know why I'm with you anyway. I don't know why we ever got married. I don't know how we're going to make it. Why should we stay? Anything like that. So now you notice the topic has shifted and escalated in a giant way from whatever this frustrating thing is. Now we're talking about whether we even have a future and it's worth investing with you. So it's really important to, to get at couples and help them to see not to go there, to learn things like taking a time out or whatever before they get to that point. And then otherwise, just manage the issue so there's not so much laying around just waiting to kind of blow up around that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Next one of these is negative interpretation. Okay. Negative interpretation. You want to talk about that one? This is one of my favorites because, uh, I don't know why it's a favorite, but it's, it's, it's just so <laughs> subtle and powerful. So it's, it's kind of fun to explain to people. This is when whatever your partner's doing, you're taking a viewpoint of it. You're interpreting it more negatively than what it is either that it's bigger, that it's more negative, usually something about their motivation. In fact, just think about that pursuer withdrawer dance that I talked a bit about a few minutes ago. A lot of times, each is making a negative interpretation about what the other is doing. You know, you're just wanting to upset me right now, whatever. Here's a key, here's a really important thing to recognize in marriage. We all do this frequently with people that we love. We make unfair, judgments. We take negative interpretations of why they just did what they did, what it means, and we're reacting not to what they did and not to what they meant. We're reacting then to our view and our interpretation of this. And we never know when we're doing it because we think how we see it, how we've coded the behavior between these two people, we think we got it right. You know, we think what we think is correct or we would think something differently. And the only way this really changes if you challenge yourself to look for some things that you might believe about your partner that maybe aren't fair. Look at the negative beliefs about your partner that you have and then be willing to challenge yourself in this way. Look for evidence that's counter to what that belief usually is telling you what they're doing or why they're doing it. Humans are really bad at doing that, but look for evidence that's counter to that belief and try to look for the best. Yeah. So believe the best. I think you would say also just ask for clarification if you can't, right? So you, yeah, yeah, great. And so, um, I, I, you know, you had this action. Uh, you know, so last night Pam asked me what time am I coming home, right? And then I kid you not, this is a true story. I'll show you my text. But uh, 
I was like, you know, it was so funny. Internally, I'm going, are you kidding me? You know, I got a conference going on. What are you, time, what are you asking me? No, she was just asking a question. I took it a little bit negatively, right? So what I should have done was say, you know, hey, are you frustrated or what, what are you asking? Uh, and she came back and it's so funny. She goes, hey, nothing to negatively interpret. Just, just was asking. Right? Smiley face, smiley face. True story, true story, right? So I'm telling you, we, we live this stuff. Our kids know this stuff, okay? Uh, and you will just be shocked at how, how much we do this. And if you could just get couples, give them that mantra, believe the best. And if you can't, ask for clarification. There'll be some times that you just, it's hard to believe the best, okay? But if you can't, then ask for clarification. But baseline, when you wake up in the morning, when they're talking, if their lips are moving, you assume they've got your best in mind. And it's just amazing what that will cut down. So uh, last one, and this is what I excel at. This is my biggest ditch It's in, with Pam. It's invalidation. You want to talk about that one? So invalidation is when you uh, put down the thoughts or feelings or character of the other. And there's so many ways to be invalidating, so let's just mention a few. That's stupid. Why would you think that? That's so dumb. Or a lot of times it's not even words. It's, you know, the words are pretty, mm -hmm. you know, you can see that happening. But a lot of times it's just like the eye roll. Like, yeah. yeah, sure. You know, Something that puts down the thought, character, opinion, feelings of the other. And there's another kind of level of this that's just even much more subtle. All the research shows these things, you know, they're, they're easy to see and, and they're associated with couples not doing so well and with things eroding over time in marriages. Uh, one of the really subtle ways that people do this is sometimes in marriage one is expressing a vulnerable feeling and we invalidate it by doing something that sounds like really spiritual. Uh, well, God's going to take care of that. You know, mm. God, it's good. It's good. you're just going to be fine. Just trust in God. Now, that may all be doctrinally exactly, in fact, that is going to be true, right? But what's it do? That person at that moment, your mate, your child, whoever, they're expressing something vulnerable. I feel a little concerned about this evaluation I got at work today. Well, you should be really, I wish I had an evaluation like that. It's just discounting those feelings. And what happens in that moment is that was a moment to really connect with that person on a deeper level. And we often miss those moments. And, and the connecting moment looks like this. Wow, that sounds like you really heard about that or that hurt you or you're worried about that. Yes, Tell me more. That's a powerful, it's easy for those moments to go by, but those are like the really golden moments in marriage. Awesome, okay. So you can, uh, you can teach this. I mean, Pam and I were on this platform uh, five, six weeks ago. Uh, Todd said, hey, why don't you do that, uh, that talk, okay? And so we walked out, and I think we went to James 4, a couple different places in that, and said, this is an outline you can find in Lasting Promise from my friend Scott Stanley, and here we go. And, uh, and nobody goes, God, you, since you didn't come up with those words, that wasn't helpful. Um, and give them credit for it, okay? They, everybody was, that was incredible. That was so helpful. And the way you can help these couples remember this, uh, you take the W, the E, the N, and the I, and it spells weenie, okay? Oh, gosh. Uh, we were having a moment here, seriously. You're supposed to, like, wait. Um, I can't do this now. So uh, hang, just hold that thought right okay. there okay, real quick. Right. Just you real bet quick. we will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you invalidated that. I did. I did. <laughs> Intentionally, I wish I wish they would withdraw. Um, okay, so 
We have every single newlywed couple in our church read Scott's book, uh, A Lasting Promise. And that withdrawal language, and I would just commend that to you to kind of go through that and understand it um, kind of yourself. And uh, well, we taught, Pam and I taught through, you just, yeah, thank you. Um, and so, uh, I got you back. <laughs> thank you. Uh, oh, so some of us, we're, you know, we're not counselors. I would commend to you um, Scott's C prep. And Pam and I just taught that through several times. Even just grab a couple friends and just teach it through till you understand to be able to spot these. Uh, you can teach these. Uh, you can understand the difference between issues and events or hidden issues, those kind of things. Uh, that will be some really helpful frameworks for you as you begin to help couples. I mean, you, uh, you just take those frameworks. <laughs> All right. Hey, I, I think we're done. But Scott, this is the first time you've been in front of like marriage pastor people in the church. You normally kind of deal with researchers and people in the community. Anything you want to say uh, to these guys? Uh, just one thing. In, in all the years that I've been doing what I've been doing, uh, I don't know if I, I don't think I've ever seen a church that's getting after it on marriage like Watermark. This is an amazing thing. And there's a lot of different ways for churches to do it, but I just, I just love the whole meaning of this conference because Marriage really is crucial for the church and the ministry of the church, and I'm so glad you're all here. Yeah. One, one of the dreams I have, there's many believers like Scott who are doing some incredible things and have been for a really long time. They're very gifted, very disciplined in what they do, and are committed believers, but they've not had an opportunity to work with the church, and in fact, the church has been resistant to what, they've, uh, what they're doing. They don't still feel no support, I guess. And I, do, I want you to continue to be where you are, um, in, the, in, the, in the venues you are, but uh, I, I, want, I want to encourage guys uh, like this that are doing incredible work that we can learn from who are absolutely on our side, and I think if we give them, uh, give them a venue and, and build bridges, uh, they could be a really a real help uh, to us. So brother, I hold you in high regard, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, hey, there's some guys in hot... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... We hold you in high regard, too. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, you guys can do that. Well, we were sorry to interrupt. We got so excited about the... We heard our cue. Yeah, Scott Stanley and his book with the whole W-E-N-I spells weenie. So we wanted you to remember this by our visual, but tell them what we've come up with we think is a little better than the whole... We're huge Scott Stanley fans. we got to say that, right? Right. Yeah, we really read big. his book. Love it. What's it called? It's, it's really good. I've read it so many times, I jumped right in, I didn't see the title. It's a, um, we, now, do we feel like we've come up with a better acronym for weenie? We yes. do. Yes. And I'm going to have to say that. Now, let's go ahead and look at what we have up there. There, there it is. is. And let's go ahead and go to the W, what's up with that? Okay. Now. That's a, that, that's a question to find out the state of the relationship. You just constantly say, yeah. hey, what's up with that? So if your, wife, if your wife says something, you go, what's up with that? What's up with that? It's gonna I think it you. pretty much solves all your problems when you do the that. The e, e elephant in the room. There's going to be an elephant in the room. Yeah. Now, we don't mean you or your spouse. We're talking yeah. about. It's not, it's not name calling. You're saying, hey, I think there's an elephant in the room. You're not saying you're the elephant. You're saying right. there's an elephant right. in the room. There's you, an issue. You got junk in the trunk that you got to get yeah, rid of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you know, oh, no, no, that's not the. And you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, think right. that's, and I think that's biblical. It so. is biblical. Now, in, not tonight. 
And here's the deal with that. It, and I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I don't even that's, think we have to say anymore. Just sometimes. Doesn't have to fix dinner every night. Tonight. And eyes, it's gonna be I. I, I mean, we can. We always have to remember it's gonna be I. Am yeah, I right? So when your spouse is real worked up, you just go, it's gonna be I. It's gonna be I. All right. We think that's so, a better weenie, but we love the, the, the other weenie. We love all. Acronym. The acronym. Yes. Thank so, you, guys. Scott, thank you, guys. We just wanted to help out Scott Stanley a little bit. Watch out for the. <laughs> watch, watch this. Thank you. That's, yeah. Hey, hey that John, you came out too early. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you can go with Scott's outline or theirs. You pick. Uh, results may vary. I'm sure they will. Okay. Hey, next out is Edie Sanders, um, and Edie is um, the director of marriage ministry at Rock Point a Church here in Flower Mound. And uh, she, she did something really creative around one of her date nights uh, about a year and a half ago, and I wanted you guys uh, to see that. So Edie, welcome. Do you mind telling these guys kind of what you guys did? Yeah. Okay, well, it was an idea that was born, as many ideas are, out of necessity. Uh, we were uh, trying to look for classroom space for some uh, marriage classes, and People were meeting in hallways and in the kitchen, and we thought the next thing is going to be the bathroom, so we don't want to do that. So we thought, well, why don't we just take the classes to them? So that was kind of how the, the idea was born. Um, and so we called it Married Life at Home. It was like a, a webinar format, and we, the tagline was, come to class in your PJs. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you put the kids in front of the TV with That's a movie it, yeah. or cartoons, and you can uh, go get you a, a cup of coffee and then... Let's talk. Yeah. So it was really a great way for us to communicate with um, a lot of people really easily. As it turned out, we used Google Hangouts. Yeah. Um, it ended up costing us, I think, about $20 for a widget that we got subscribed to for the chat, the live yeah. chat part of yeah. it. Awesome. So um, <clears throat> That's great. Yeah. So I think, I think there's some video. Just, you can just see real simply. Uh, it was her and her husband at a coffee, coffee table just kind of talking to uh, their folks. And um, you know, the web copy was just that. Wake up in the morning, put your kids in front of the TV, gra grab your PJs and hop back in bed. And then you flipped up the laptop. Uh, and then it was like kind of a webinar just kind of pushed into the room. And I just, I just I thought there were so many great things about that. One was um, you were going to the couples rather than having them come to you. Right? And all of us, everybody's busy. And if you can go to them rather than come to you, I think, I think there's something to think about there. The other one was it was just kind of an off time, right? Who normally thinks about date nights on a, on a Saturday morning? And maybe there's something about disrupting, um, you know, disrupting kind of their rhythm and things like that. It might be a great way to set up um, a physical date later in the day. I was thinking maybe like you could get your guys, you could tell the guys, hey, Thursday or fri Friday at 3 o'clock, tune in for a 10-minute webinar, and we're going to set you guys up, man, for success. And we'll, we'll give you a date night idea, uh, something to talk about, creative, creative something, and just kind of coach the guys up uh, right there. But I think there's a lot you can do. I've never seen that done. Uh, incredibly, incredibly cheap. Uh, there's GoToMeeting is another one. I think WebEx is another one mm -hmm. uh, there. And, uh, but for 28 bucks, you can push content uh, in there. And I think it's something different if your couples are going, been there, done that. Uh, that was something um, that we'd never seen. So really, really good job. Thanks so much, Edie. Thank you. Okay. Hey, and then last, uh, give it up for Edie. Um, no, you're good. I was just saying, give it up for you. Uh, and then Adam Donyes. And Adam is actually, he works at Canacuck, but goes to Ted Cunningham's church. And they came up with a really cool campaign that I wanted, uh, wanted them to tell you about. It's called 52 and 15. So Adam, welcome. Tell them kind of uh, how you came up with this and what, uh, what it's all about. 
Yeah, so in November, it just hit me that when we are premarital, we do a phenomenal job of trying to woo our boo, and then we kind of get married, and that stops. And so this idea hit is what if we encouraged all of our married couples at Woodland Hills, like you said, I'm at Ted Cunningham's church, part of the teaching team, and I said, what if we encouraged them to do 52 dates in 2015? And I said, Ted, what do you think about throwing a cruise in the mix? And so we came up with this idea that we were going to challenge couples and at the same time would encourage them. So they'd be seeing all this stuff hashtagged on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and through the process, they would realize that, that there's cheap ways you can date, encouraging ways to date. And so we didn't know which way it would go, and it just took off. Our entire church latched onto this, grabbed this. You guys can literally search these hashtags when you leave here tonight and just look on any of those social media threads and hashtag 52 and 15. So then we threw themes with the months. Yep. So January, they reenacted their first date. And so there's this really creative stuff with them reenacting their first date. February, we wanted to be a creative romantic. This month coming up next May, it's a mentor date. So just kind of like you guys have been talking about the discipleship piece, mm -hmm. go find an older couple that will go on a date with you and hopefully pay for the meal and, 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 just, <laughs> and just invest into the marriage. And so, let's just be honest. Yeah. And so, John, it's been really neat how it has literally been breathing life and encouragement into just different couples and families and just encouraging them to do 52 dates in 2015. Awesome. That's what it's been about. So I, I just thought it was really incredible. Other churches have already started on that, and we, we were too late to the game and had a lot going on. Uh, but we thought about next year maybe 16 and 16 or something like that. Um, but it took you, I mean, I guess you had to collect the money for a cruise. But outside of that, there wasn't any, um, you know, there wasn't any cost. And in fact, they just kind of put everything up on the website uh, where you could get those themes and people could go. And then they could see and be encouraged uh, by what other couples were doing. And so, uh, you know, we can kind of figure that out this year. But 16, you know, 16 and 16, maybe we could just kind of start, um, you know, some type of a social media dating uh, revolution, but it doesn't have to cost a lot. And it could just raise the value. And some of the, sometimes we do stuff. And he, here's what's really cool. Um, you make it the very in thing to do, right? The very cool thing to do um, is to either be at your conference, be in this, in this campaign, those kind of things. And anytime, anytime you can kind of create that buzz capital or create that, I think you're really onto something. And so you're sitting there watching, you know, your friends do all this fun stuff. I mean, my life's lame. You know, we got to get out there and hashtag something, baby, you know. And, uh, and I think to be in the club is good, without being weird and manipulative or um, just kind of uh, overselling that. So uh, you can check that out at their website, uh, woodlandhills.com. Dot, dot org. Dot org. And, and, yeah. and one other thing I'd say is it's super simple. You guys don't have to manage it. The church runs with it. They're encouraging it. They're excited about it. And so there hasn't been much management from the back end. Other than what Lance mentioned earlier, our church does once a month. We set aside for marriage and we revisit it. But other than that, they run with it, like you're saying, because they love social media and being awesome. a part of it. Well done, buddy. Thank you so much. Great. Hey, we're going to end. Um, we're going to end with a video. I love that. Let's share this year, this next year. Let's share what we're doing. Right? We can all get better if we'll, if we'll share and not be um, territorial, and we'll not be selfish, and we'll say, I developed this document, this talk, this resource, whatever. Man, God's church, God's church wins, right? Yeah. Let's just kind of let our logos and our egos and all that stuff just dissipate, okay? So you guys have got a full head today. You've heard a lot. You're thinking through a lot. You probably like, have more stuff than you can begin to implement. And let me just, I'm going to simplify it before we go to dinner here, okay? That in all this, we t we, we're talking about that one couple, and we're talking about just doing this inside the church. That's, what we, that's, what, that's why we're here, okay? We're not talking about doing it in a counselor's office. We're doing it here. And there is incredible power in God's word, God's spirit, and God's people, even, even if you don't have any programmatic structures, 
Um, God is still in the business of changing lives, and he wants to use your church. Let's watch this. One morning in August of 2012, we're getting ready to go to church. A fight erupts between us. I, I don't even know what it was about, but it was bad. Karen uh, just looked at me, and she said, we're a joke. Our marriage is a joke. Life was crazy, working full-time, three kids, and Grady in the middle who has Down syndrome. Living a life that looks like we are Christians, and we've got it all together. On the inside, behind closed doors, we're fighting. They were fighting a lot. So I went to a baseball game of one of my boys, and one of the other mothers sat down next to me, and she began talking about the freedom that her husband had been experiencing just from confessing pornography in their marriage, how they were healing and working through that. That night, I just felt almost like I was being prepared to hear secrets. She's asking me if I struggle with pornography, which I deny over and over. And she starts to pack a bag. And she says, um, I know you're hiding things from me, and I'm not going to put up with it anymore, and I'm, I'm done. And in the spirit to win, I volleyed at her. Uh, a confession to hurt her, or I confessed that I'd been unfaithful to her. And she left with her bag. And then um, I didn't fall back asleep. So the next day I got the kids off to school and I went to work and I was a wreck. Um, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't talk to anybody. Uh, Karen called me. I'm going to meet with these two ladies tonight and I want you to call and meet with their husbands. And I shared with them what I had shared with Karen and they, they were great listeners. One of them had gone through and kind of walked the path of, of confessing uh, sin against his wife and was in that process of recovery and healing and, and had a hope to offer. Karen uh, was scheduled to go on a trip the next day. And as I'm driving from Fort Worth to Dallas, my phone is just going nuts with text messages and it's just all scripture. Encouragement from these girls and I'm just why this? You know, why not, hey, you're going to be this close to North Park Mall. Go blow some money. Go shopping. <laughs> I remember the very first verse that I fell on was Exodus 14, 14, which says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There was this surrender that just was starting. So Karen was in the hotel in Dallas. She called and asked me if I would come and have breakfast with her the next day. I'm in my truck, I turn my radio off, I begin to pray. My prayer um, is, is just interrupted with my mind being filled with sin, more and more sins um, that I have committed and committed against Karen that I didn't um, confess to her and um, it just broke me. I barely got my truck parked, I was a sobbing mess. Um, all those bad things that he had been replaying in my mind, I had no no way to fix it, no way to get to him. And I cried out for him to have mercy on me. And I cried out for Jesus Christ to save me. I just I immediately felt different and hopeful. And I went into Karen's hotel. She opened it. I, I, my knees buckled. I just poured into her hotel room. And I just began to confess. Sin after sin rolled out. It was. 40 or 45 minutes of confession and crying and she was there to receive it. We just had a really long day of confession and 
understanding, I think, for the first time in our marriage. I had a friend that I called and asked to come and talk to me. He came over that night at 11 o'clock in the evening. And then just sharing with me the gospel and me hearing it in it for the first time with a different set of ears and scripture after scripture in support of this great news. We spent time studying God's word and what his design for marriage was, what his uh, design for forgiveness was, how he has forgiven us of so much and how he calls us to forgive each other. I most mornings have a love note from him that's telling me what he's learned, how he wants to encourage me that day. I mean, because of Jesus, I have a family. They just see what an example of a godly man looks like, the way he leads this family, the way he leads me. I never knew that this was how we're called to live life together and authentically. Community has been just one of the biggest blessings. They're gonna be there, not with just the worldly advice that I think we just all wanna hear. It sounds good, this is just the truth and get back scripture. For the first time in my life, I felt the Lord's presence. I felt him speaking to me directly um, through scripture. God pursued me. I feel like he passed the baton to this group of guys that he said, I'm going to pursue you through these men. And together, you guys are gonna go from here. We've grown into a community group. We're committed to one another. My day-to-day decision-making, the attitude that I will have towards Karen, my employees, people I will meet in life is shaped and formed by those words that he's provided as a love note to me. It's an awesome gift that he's given us.